BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So do you know where David's wife is currently? If you're like a part of the church still, nobody really talks about it. Like it's nobody like wants to bring it up out of fear of David. She was always with him. She was always with him at work. She was always doing inspections with him, meetings. And then one day she was gone. It's Viola Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hey guys, and welcome to a beautiful Thursday. I hope you're having an amazing day. <laughs> welcome to my podcast, Almost Adulting, with your host, Violet Benson, your big sister, your best friend, your lover, everything you've ever wanted. It's me. And I'm standing right in front of you asking you to fall in love with me. So please do that. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the first week of November. I cannot believe we're already all the way in November. Kind of sad. It's also my birthday this month, which is depressing in its own way, but don't worry. I'll be talking about that on next week's episode. So for the month of November, I kept trying to figure out what we're going to be doing this month. Since last month was cult month, some people loved it. Some people didn't care for it. And that's cool. You know, now we're testing something uh, uh, new this month. So this month, let's call it Scorpio month. So this month, we are going to be doing everything between talking about relationships to death, to conspiracies, to aliens, and to psychics. I actually have some really cool psychics coming on this month, and I'm really excited for that. And also, we'll have a solo episode talking to you guys about life and getting older and all that. That'll be next week. But today, we have part two of Scientology. If you missed part one, it's so interesting. It's really good. I do think I didn't promote it properly promo-wise, but it is fascinating and tells you everything you need to know about Scientology. To be honest, it highlights all the positive things about Scientology. That's from last week's episode. Today we have part two. Part two goes to the honest conversation of the negative parts that with everything, there's positive and negatives. Again, in no way in anything that I've discussed the last month and today is me telling you how to think or what to believe in. I'm here to give you information and I'm expecting you, my intelligent besties, to form your own opinions after listening and to do your own research. But we do have the person that I interviewed for Scientology, we did have to protect her because she was in the family of the person that created Scientology. A lot of the information that she shares and a lot of her experience is experience that most people will never be able to experience since she experienced it firsthand. And that's really cool and really interesting. But I really hope you guys love today's episode. After that, we will begin about everything Scorpio month. And it's gonna get dark and it's gonna get fun. And it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And please leave me a five-star review if you have the time. It genuinely really helps. And I always read all your reviews. And I fucking love you for that. Thank you so much for making my podcast one of the top podcasts. I'm so thankful for you guys. Thank you for telling all your friends about it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to keep getting better and better as a podcaster. And thank 
thank you again for making my podcast the top podcast. I love you. Enjoy this episode. To give a little background, David Miscavige had a wife, has a wife. We don't know if it's had or has. Her name's Shelley Miscavige. She's been with him for almost 20 years, uh, maybe longer. Um, they were married in the 80s. And when he rose up to take over the Church of Scientology, um, she was with him and she was his right-hand man, woman. I think it was actually 2005. There's articles on the internet about this that say all of what I'm saying, so people can look it up. But in 2005, um, she actually went missing from his side. Like she was always at public events. She was always with him. She was always with him at work. She was always doing inspections with him, meetings. And then one day um, she was gone. And um, I'm one of the people that was around at the time when she was gone. I was working for some of the people she worked closely with. And so some of us noticed sooner than than other people did that she was gone. She went missing. She was gone when she kind of started to try to have uh, put her hands more into the organization and kind of tried to chime in and have more of a say. And it may have not, it didn't go that well with her husband. They ended up being in two different locations at the same time. And she started doing some stuff like, quote unquote, behind his back that he had actually asked for. And, um, but he hadn't like fully approved yet. And so she started implementing some of that stuff because it had been years and years and years where he had kept on rejecting proposals to improve the organization. And she went ahead and did them. He ended up coming back to the location that she had been implementing changes and he was furious, furious. And he, and the next thing you know, she was gone. We heard about the changes cause they all got like, undone you know or you know whatever ended up happening and then he ended up implementing them anyways eventually and then um the next thing like some people witnessed like mail going to um a certain secret location in san bernardino that has like all the archives of scientology so we think that that's where she is in san bernardino and there's articles about it and stuff. And some of us actually, I witnessed that that's where she was. Did you personally see her or is that you just saw mail going there? I personally saw stuff that would have indicated personnel movements, you know, people being in different places as well as mail and other people actually physically saw her there. And which year was that? I don't know when people physically saw her there. There's articles on that. But like the year that everyone started noticing she was gone was 2005, 2006. Like she didn't show up to some stuff she should have. Got it. So she's been missing since and people physically saw her. But do you think it's very possible since um, the whole community is such a tight niche that even if she was gone, no one would say anything because it's to protect everyone. And if it's for the best for the community, then that's what you got to do. Well, I mean, no one really talks about it within, if you're like a part of the church still, nobody really talks about it. Like it's, nobody like wants to bring it up out of fear of David. Um, but like outside the community, it's like, a, like, you know, all the people that have left, it's a big deal. Like where Shelley? Well, it's kind of, it's out of sight, out of mind. So once a person completely disappears after a while, you stop thinking about it. So then even if something, if they actually full really disappear, you would have no idea because you forgot about it. You forgot about it. There's also like a factor of like trust in David Miscavige within the, within the 
current practicing members of Scientology where they're like, you know, we trust that he's doing the right thing. And if she had to be removed, then she had to be removed. She obviously was doing something bad. Like, that's the view inside the community. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if you can do that to a family member, like your own wife. Totally. And, you know, the other thing about it, too, though, is like Shelly herself did a lot of things and tolerated a lot of really bad things. So, you know, I kind of have the unpopular opinion that, like, she could leave at any time. She could she could have done something else. She had the power to also, like, she was at that point when she got removed, she was trying to undo some of the damage that they had been doing for all of those years, you know? And I think she kind of came to the realization that she was supporting somebody that had gone into a very megalomaniac space, you know? So she was almost trying to right her wrongs at that point. And that's also why she was taken out. Oh, got it. It's like she did everything already and suddenly she was having, what is it called? Something remorse? Guilt remorse. Yeah. And then suddenly she, because she felt guilty or whatever, so she's trying to make things right. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I can see both of their perspectives for sure. She did a lot of harm, you know, from her position as well. And then you know, and then I think she realized she'd been supporting the wrong guy all this time and like was like, oh, and then started trying to correct that. And then she was out. Right. Because a lot of people look at David as someone that completely took Scientology into a different direction than, than the founder, Ellen Hubbard. Yeah. Than the founder. So uh, so then their their ways are so completely different. And David seemed a lot of people were saying how David was more driven by money and power. So it went completely a different direction. So yeah, exactly. And I think she saw that at one point, just so you know, Shelley actually used to work for Ellen Hubbard directly. She was one of the original people who started some of the management organizations. She knew L. Ron Hubbard. So it was, you know, she probably at some point was like, oh, wow, we're not actually doing what, you know, the founder actually wanted. And that's when she met her husband? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, she met, that's how she met her husband when she was working for Elrond Hubbard since she was a child, since she was like 11 or 12 years old, maybe 13. You know, this is back in the late 60s, early 70s. She, you know, her parents were in and they joined and she got, she joined. And so she knew, so she was working directly with, you know, Scientology since she was a kid. So again, she was born into it. That means she could have technically helped the demise or the like, to, not the demise, but she kind of helped take it away from the original owner under his feet without him realizing. Since you know she had her love interest, and then her the person she ended up marrying is the guy who ended up taking over uh, the whole organization. To be honest, yeah, like looking back on history, that's exactly what happened. As history was happening, exactly like as history was happening. She thought she was doing the right thing. She married this guy that seemed like really in tune with what 
you know, the founder of what Hubbard wanted. And at that point, the founder was kind of, quote unquote, losing his mind. And she felt like she was probably, she, that's why she thought she was doing the right thing. She was like, it's time for him to step down. We're going to take it over. You know, she was full, full support system. And then as the years went on, you know, it takes time sometimes. I was going to comment about this earlier, just about like organizations, cults, anything. It takes time to realize your mistakes. It takes time to realize that something isn't working. You know, like that's why people stay in these things for so long because they don't have any comparison. Like if you join in your teens or 20s, you don't really know what life is and you hate your 40s. You're like, wow, this really hasn't helped me that much. And it gave away my life. And then you get out of it and you're like, how was I in it that whole time? But you never had any comparison to show the truths and the lies. Some people get out faster because they do comparisons faster. Like they hit like their limit line earlier, but like, you know, I didn't know, you know, I knew Shelly and Dave growing up and I thought they were doing the right thing. And it wasn't until like my late twenties that I was like, oh no, 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 this is way off the rails. And you know, you wouldn't know until you've gone through it. Yeah, I mean, even this interview was more, I would say, the positive aspects, at least on my point of view. That's what it seemed like. And I, I agree with you on the it, it takes time because this is a great comparison to anything in life, even your own relationships. That's what people can look from the outside and say, well, I would never do that. That person's so stupid, even in abusive relationships. But women stay when you're in the situation, you start to think, but there's these positive parts and, and, or you start to think like, why sometimes you stay with someone for so long? You go, I already, uh, I mean, we already invested eight years of my life with this person. Why would I leave now? Then I have to start over. And it's kind of the same thing. You have a community, you built yourself in the community, you grew in the community. Now you're going to, you're going to throw that away and you don't know what's on the outside. You're going to have this type of community again. So you kind of looked at the positive aspects and you even said one of your biggest, uh, regrets or one thing that has never been the same is, is the the feeling of the community going back into the real world that's something that's you've never been able to replace that so it's a real thing yes exactly and you don't know like when you do make a big change you don't know if you're making a leap of faith if it's going to be better on the other side or where exactly where you were like in your relationship example so why do you think once people realize that they're potentially in a in a cult-like religion or or some things are going bad, but they continue to stay, why do you think they still remain part of it? Um, one of the reasons is that um, sometimes a lot of people feel helped by it. And so then anything that's going bad, they're like, yeah, but there's all this good that it's done for me. And belief systems are very interesting because um, if you truly do fully believe in something, it tends to manifest because that's just kind of how it seems to work. I don't know, you know, what the explanation for that is, but if somebody thinks like this is going to help me, it most likely will. And so it's really hard to separate, you know, your own causation, you know, what you've manifested and then what it's actually helping you with. And that can be like a very complicated web to untangle. I mean, look, you can find positives and negatives in everything. And Scientology is no different. So that's why it's up to everyone that's listening to figure out whether or not how they feel about it or they can be indifferent about it, just like how I feel. And it's more just giving people information to understand versus judging something they don't know. So how would you say Scientologists view the rest of the world? So Scientologists think that the rest of the world are just unenlightened, like they haven't, they need this Scientology information and they just don't have it in their lives. And that's why they're so confused and that this is the way. 
Like, this is the way. Everyone outside of Scientology is kind of unconscious. They have a specific word for people outside of Scientology, which is the word wog. Wog? Wog, yeah, which means, like, somebody who's not a Scientologist. And they consider that, you know, like, they just don't know, you know. And so it's a little condescending. It's the same black and white sort of thinking where, like, it's us against them. You know, we have to save them. And so that's very typical of groups and, you know, cults and religious groups as well. Like, we're better. We're going to save you. You know, if you don't want to be saved, that's on you, bro. You know, that kind of of you. But why do you think as Scientologists, you also are not allowed to really interact or continue having relationships with people that are not Scientologists? Well, there's two, two reasons for that. There's their reason, which is, you know, like the reason, the propaganda reason is obviously like they're a wog, they're unenlightened. They, you know, you don't want to get that goo on you. Like you don't want to get influenced by them. Like you need to be walking the path. You don't want that energy coming onto you. Unless they're going to be a part of it and they're going to be contributing. And I personally have the opinion that they just don't want you to interact with other people as much because you'll figure out that, you know, you really shouldn't like be giving all your money to Scientology. Like I personally just have that view too. Like obviously they don't want you to talk to that family member that's against Scientology because maybe they'll convince you to get out of Scientology. But how come the people that are in it are not seeing that? Is it just because they want to believe what they want to believe? Because it's a, a lot of very intelligent people are Scientologists. There's more Scientologists that we actually think that there there are. They just don't say anything. It's it's a pretty quiet community in their own way. So they're smart enough to know something this simple. So how come they're not seeing it? And that's actually a question that a lot of us have asked ourselves. Um, because when I did have access to information, it clarified a lot of things that I had struggled with over the years when I did finally have the internet. And I was like, I would have never joined ever if I hadn't been born into it, you know, but I probably maybe would have done a couple courses with caution. I think this is what we've touched on a few times, which is like, it has actually helped them. So they turn a blind eye because they feel like this is the only thing that can help them because it's the only thing that has helped them in their mind. So they don't want to turn a blind eye to this thing that maybe cured an Ill they, that they feel cured an illness for them or that they feel did something so good for them. And then this other person's talking shit about it. And they're like, well, look, it helped me. So stop talking shit about this thing that, you know, it's like having like a person who's not a vegan and a vegan. And it's like, let's agree to disagree on this, you know, like, obviously, this person's not gonna stop eating meat, this person's adamant about not eating meat. And then it's kind of like, look, we don't really have much in common, let's go our separate ways. Yeah, it's kind of like when someone hates your ex, everyone, everyone else sees it, and you don't see it, because you're like, he's nice to me. And they're like, V, he laughs at you, and he only calls you at 2am, and he's cheating on you. And you're like, but yeah, but the dates he's not cheating on me, were like, really good. Yeah, like, the sex was great, you know, so I'm just yeah, it's like when I stopped talking to all my friends because they didn't like my ex and I kept going back to them and I was like, you guys just don't understand. You don't get it. And I isolated myself because of it. And that's what Scientologists do or other groups into their isolate themselves into the groups. And then eventually they're like, oh, wait, this bad stuff is happening to me now. It doesn't happen don't really realize things until they happen to you. And then when they happen to you, you're like, oh, yeah. And, you know, you're like, friends, you were right. Sorry. So what do you have to say to someone um, out there that's currently considering joining Scientology? I would say don't join the C organization, which is like the inner group. I would say 
if you want to check it out, go for it. I would say that there's a lot of people outside of Scientology that deliver the same materials or services, I guess you could say, or therapy. And, you know, I would look them up first, um, you know, and find out where they could get that stuff outside of the current church so that they don't get sucked into kind of like the machine of the corporation that it's turned into. Do you think if David wasn't the current leader of the organization that you would consider going back if there was someone different? It's a little bit of a loaded question because I feel like anybody that's running the current church, like a lot of us have just been through too much trauma to ever go back to something like that. But I would say that whoever would be running the church, if they were more compassionate, if they were more loving, and if they made some pretty major changes, the changes that they, I would hope that they would make would make it so people like us could have our friends back and could go back and forth in the community and not necessarily have to be hardcore. The problem with the current organization is you have to be a fanatic or you're out. You know, you can't kind of like dilly around with it. So if, if there was a little more come and go, like it was in the seventies, like more of like a hippie movement, you know, like it used to be where it's just like therapy, you're like, great you know, and then you can just come and go. If it was something like that and I could see my friends again, for sure, I'd say what's up. And like, you know, I love my friends. I don't have much hope for whoever would now also now take over from David Miscavige. Like, I would like to see what they would now do with the organization. One of the things that categorizes something as a cult is by segregating people and by um, separating them, which happens in politics now and other things. That's why I said so many things are a cult without you realizing. So it's kind of the same thing. And that's kind of in a way what make, go, takes it away from in a religion and why people make comments that it's a cult. You don't see it having a chance to ever become an actual just religion where you're a Scientologist and you live your life versus being like, never speak to me if you will not follow my ways. It's brand new. Like it's only been in effect for 70 years or something like that. You know, like Christianity went through a whole period of, you know, they used to torture people if they didn't believe and they killed all the witches and they did like this whole thing. The Spanish Inquisition. They went thousands of years of turmoil to now we're like, yo, what's up? I believe in God. I love you. It took like thousands of years for humans to kind of like add compassion to like one of the major religions. So I, you know, I don't want to say that it's going to, if you were going to categorize Scientology as a religion, that it would take that long for the evolution to happen. But, you know, because we, we are doing it in modern times, like obviously that went medieval times. I think it would take a few iterations for it to kind of like chill out. Do you foresee a new religion coming to, to life eventually? And then everyone will forget about Scientology and there'll be some the new cool Soho house of religions? Oh my God, that would be so cool. Like somebody who took... Like, I should do that, you know, like, take all the different cool stuff and make it into a thing and, you know, make a ton of money and help people and have fun. Why do you think religion always ends up getting mixed up with money? Because religion, ha isn't religion supposed to be free? It's about your just beliefs and then somehow, you but I understand the money aspect is that's the only way the organizations can live. It's a tough thing. Like, I just made a joke right now about making a ton of money because like, but like, I feel like it's really like a tough line because like, you know, you don't really want to charge for helping other people, but like it's, we're in capitalism. And so like you have to eat so you can do it like donation based or whatever. And obviously like, like I've said before, like it all depends on who your 
dictator is over your religion as to what their intentions are. There's plenty of like groups that like donate all their money to like a good cause and there's other groups that like they do private chats. So it's it's hard to say like it depends on the people and how they want to how they want to be corrupted by it. Is it really true that Scientology is not pro gay marriages and things like that. I didn't want to talk about this on the podcast, but I'm glad you brought this up because we didn't actually talk about marriage and stuff. So unfortunately, and this is something which I hope I said in, in your podcast, which was that Scientology was really a product of its time. You know, the founder was born in 1911. He started doing research in the 30s. He did his first book in 1950. He's I don't know. Is that boomer? That's way. That's that's pre past, right? Yeah, that's pre boom. Like 1911. I can't believe someone was born. At that time. Right. So he was born in 1911. You know, he started like he published his first book in 1950. He was already doing some books and doing some research in the 30s and 40s. So gay was like not a thing back then. You know, gay was bad. In a couple of the things he's written, he made comments that like being gay is like low vibe you know, like low vibration, basically. There's a different word for it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's, it's low vibe. It's like, it's not, being gay is not the vibe. <laughs> you wrote that in the book. Gays weren't basically like allowed to not necessarily get services, but gays aren't, if you're gay, you're not allowed in the inner sanctum, C organization part. And that's still the case. Because there was a couple of like basically like derogatory references to gays in his materials they were um kind of shunned from the inner sanctums like you're, you're not allowed to be gay and be in the c organization but you can get therapy and some you know and training and services if you're gay you can be on the lowest level of scientology and still and still give money so basically they said we won't not take your money because we can still use your money but you just can't be part of the main organization you can still be the lower level because you're a low vibe yeah give us money give us your money you can still be a part of it because we feel like we can we can fix your gay they consider it like wrong to be gay so it's like we'll give you therapy because we think that you need help because you're gay. Has that changed over the years now that it's been almost 70 years since? I don't think that's changed at all, but they have put a better public face on it. But you don't really see that many gays in Scientology, to be totally honest. The reason I asked these questions was because I recently came to my attention that Elizabeth Moss is Scientologist and she's on such a powerful show, which is all about woman empowerment and just very type of you know the opposite of a religion what she basically on a show where she goes against religion becoming too extreme and too intense while being part of the organization so i think that part people have been talking about and that's been kind of i think interesting it is very true and all of us have said the same thing like yo elizabeth you know what you're a part of the thing is is she's a celebrity she gets the best treatment she gets she doesn't even know she has no idea what the actual people who work for it go through she has no clue oh okay got it so it really a lot of these celebrities who are just the faces a lot of them probably don't actually have an idea of some of the notions that happen in Scientology and the yeah. departments of how yeah. okay that, that kind of makes sense they're turning a blind a blind eye and they're not digging digging deep enough and they just can't have no idea they have no idea like to be totally honest Leah Remini for example she had no idea the stuff that was really going on in the C organization, but she was personal friends with Shelley Miscavige. And so when Shelley Miscavige didn't show up to an event, you know, she went to see her friend, 
which, you know, none of us got to hang out with Shelly Miscavige, but, you know, Leah did because she had a lot of money and she's a celebrity. And so she went to find a friend and her friend wasn't there. And so then she was like, where's Shelly? And that was the beginning of Leah Remini leaving Scientology because that for to her, she was like, this is weird. And then she pulling that down and then found out all this other stuff that was going on. And then she was like, I'm out. But before that, she had no clue. Got it. I mean, she was, she's been pretty public about how she feels about Scientology. Do you think if you're just that big and powerful, Scientology can't touch you? Or do you think she still left a lot of things out? I think she talks about everything she knows about. And I think she's pretty open and honest. I think that she does have a platform. So that does help protect her. You know, I know she has gotten harassment to some degree, if not just trolling, but they've also like kind of stopped harassing people as much. People know now and then they bring it like there's the Internet now and like, you know, social media and it doesn't really look good on them and they kind of have the rep. And so when it gets proven a couple times it's been proven in court that they're following someone or whatever. It doesn't really look that great. But do you think it's one of the reasons she got in less work? To answer that question, I would think people would want to hire her more. But then at the same time, I don't think Scientology has influenced her in getting work or not. Like actually the actual organization influencing her work. I don't think so. I don't think people, like, I don't think Scientology has that much influence in Hollywood that's like, don't hire Leah Remini. Well, I think in general with women, when women are outspoken as a man, it would come off as assertive and leadership skills. As a woman, it's, she's difficult. That's probably makes more sense. Like the fact that she's fighting anything at all is probably more of an X mark than, you know, her actually like Scientology actually meddling in her affairs and messing it up. Yeah, that makes sense. It's more like, oh God, if I'm going to tap her butt, she's going to get all crazy and try to cancel me. God, women these days, you can't even like sexually harass them even a little bit. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> like that's probably what it is. It's the good old days. Like, good yeah, I miss the good old days when you can just like have sex with women on set or they lose their jobs. Yeah, like that was so much easier. When you're a part of the organization, you're more deep in in the, organ the C organization, Scientology will monitor all of your phone calls, your internet activity, and basically just watch you. Basically, like, the jokes about the FBI actually does happen with Scientology. Yes, and, like, they monitor your internet activity. Like, when you're actually, like, signed up and working for them for your, it's called the C organization, you know, they monitor the mail, phone calls, communication with your family. Like, they open your letters. They make sure that... They open your letters? They open your letters. They make sure everything's, like, kosher. Like, no one's trying to, like, get you out of the organization. They want to make sure that whatever you're sending out, you're not planning on leaving. Like, they monitor you, like, when you're working for them. Got it. So if they open a letter that they think will not suit well for you, they make the decision that then it's not for you. Yes. And sometimes you won't receive letters. They just... Right. Get to you and so they have control over you that way and then they you know obviously you've signed up for it like i explained it's like a military base so in this particular case when you're in the sea organization so you kind of sign your life up for them and so then that's part of what you sign up for is you get monitored if they monitor your internet are you allowed to watch porn no you're not allowed to watch porn in scientology not if you're in the sea organization if you're like a paying customer to scientology and you have your own house and your own stuff you're on your own but like if you're on their property and you're using their servers, no. And that's also part of it is what it also makes it not a sex cult is that it is actually really kind of looks down on sex and children and the subject of like they want you to be married and be like step forward, but don't no freaky stuff, you know, no porn. You know, we mentioned earlier, like they're not too fond of, you know, 
uh, same-sex stuff, you know, stuff like that. But even sex outside of marriage? Sex outside of marriage, if you're in the C organization, if you're working for them, signed up on their military-based property, is not happening. You can do it, but you get thrown out. You get thrown out, they find out you had sex with someone that's not your husband or wife? Thrown out, yeah. You have to, you have to be married to have sex. And it doesn't apply to people who are paying for it and they have their own homes and whatever they do, they do. But like, if you join up, that's what you're joining up for. Got it. So if you finally decide I'm ready to have sex, I'm so horny. Okay, can you guys find me a husband? Yeah, then you have to get a husband. And so like a lot of people in the past got married when they were teenagers. So there was like a lot of young marriages. Is divorce allowed or is that looked down at? Divorce is allowed depending on the situation. Like if everybody agrees you guys should get divorced, then it's easy. If, if people don't agree you should get a divorce, it's not easy. It's part of like... You know, like sometimes for organizational reasons, people are forced into a divorce, like two people go to separate locations and they're forced to get a divorce and people will support that. But David's not divorced. His wife is just missing. We don't know what his legal status of marriage is. I'm sure a PI could find out. Um, but I, we all think that he is still married to Shelly and he might be actually sleeping with his secretary. That's the theory that's out in the interwebs. Um, but we don't actually know what he's doing. Like none of us have actually seen him physically do something with his secretary. Like I was around after Shelly left and he was with her, the secretary all the time, but none of us, could, I couldn't tell if he was romantically involved, but apparently that's the rumor. Yeah, this was good. I hope, are you doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. Oh my God. Okay. Last thing before you go. I don't want to be creepy, but I bought a ticket to your show so I could meet you. No way. <laughs> So if you want to meet up at your show, we can. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with people after the show. Obviously, I'm not trying to see anyone before. I don't even like anyone in my room before. I don't talk to anyone. It's like I have to have my brain. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that so it wasn't... Oh, no way. Okay. That's cool. That's good to know. Yeah, so I'll get to meet you. That's exciting. Yeah, I'll see if I can come back there. And if I can't, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just wanted to say hi. Okay, that's exciting. Well, don't worry. I'm going to be really funny. I'm not worried. We have the same sense of humor. It's all good. Okay, good. <laughs>